grade are you in, Leah? I am in 10th grade. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> well, did camp go okay without me? Was it, was it all right? It was, it was very different without you. Oh, it was, good. we were all sad. Um, yeah, until good. you came on Tuesday, and then we were happy. All right, good. Um, All right, okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay. Um, so, basically, if you don't know what Mars Hill Camp is, the main gist of it is the students of Mars Hill Academy um, all go out to the CF church camp for um, a week, Monday through Saturday morning. Um, and, basically, it's a week of... Um, Deepening friendships and deepening your relationship with the Lord. We always pick um, a topic, a great idea um, to focus on that week. And um, this uh, camp, we focused on justice. Um, and the main gist of um, justice, as Mr. Hughes defined it, was um, there are two different ways of looking at it, basically. Um, and one way is might makes right. So like whoever is the most powerful gets to decide what justice is. Um, but the way that um, the, the true justice is, is um, basically um, that there is justice no matter who is in power and there is, and justice is what is fair and what is right, um, and so basically getting what you deserve. Um, and um, one point that um, a lot of the students, myself included, liked that you made, I think it was you, um, was that there can't be mercy without justice mm -hmm. because um, justice is getting what you deserve, but mercy is not getting what you deserve. Um, and basically, I mean, Mars Hill was just, Mars Hill Camp was just a great week of being able to um, learn a lot about justice and then strengthen friendships in the community of Mars Hill and bring about the, the unity that we like to um, hold on to for the rest of the school year. And um, it was, we also had a lot of new students this year. I think it was like 18, yeah. um, not like including seventh grade, the seventh graders, but also just a lot of new students in the other grades. And um, it was really good seeing um, how, what they brought to the school and how we were able to bring them into the school and um, just, bonding with them and then bonding deeper with each other. It was just a really sweet week yeah. as Marcel Camp always is and it felt like it lasted not even a day long. <laughs> uh -huh. um, so yes, yeah. the, the students are, are trying to get us to do camp all year and do class one week, but uh, <laughs> that ain't gonna happen. Happen, <laughs> thank you, yeah. I went out there, yeah, thank you, Aaliyah. It's good. It's good. It's, 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 it was very powerful. A lot of love and a lot of care and a lot of uh, just really amazing students out there. We're, we are so blessed. Uh, you all may have noticed that uh, Karen and Dan are here. I think, um, uh, is Karen here? I think I saw her. Um, 
I, I think they are starting a, a school uh, this year. Do you all kick it off this year? You, uh, your co-op, your first co-op, you're kicking that off. Well, we'll be sure to, to remember. Do you have a name for it? <coughs> Emmanuel what? Emmanuel Latin School. All right, so remember Emmanuel Latin School when you pray for uh, Mars Hill Academy. Brent's brother-in-law is here, Scott. I guess that's Brent's wife's brother. Uh, Scott's here. Hey, brother, you want, you want to share anything real quick before we hop in? Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, bless you. Glad you're here. All right, we're going to jump into the Bible. Would, would you all be interested in reading the Bible tonight? Well, if you got one, open it up to Colossians. Um, I'm sort of a su- surprise act tonight. Um, the, um, there's, with the five young, there's f- five young guys that are going to be taking us through the book of Colossians. And uh, Matthew was on for tonight, but they had a, a breakdown in their plumbing at home, and so... Uh, he asked me to go ahead and prepare and share tonight, so uh, you know me. <laughs> I half listened to him. That means I didn't prepare. I'm just going to share. <laughs> All right. Colossians uh, chapter 1. The, the title tonight is Christ, the Missing Ingredient. Christ, the Missing Ingredient. Colossians chapter 1, verse 24. Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is, everybody say it, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect or mature in Christ, whereunto I also labor striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. Father, uh, how precious are you and your Son and your Holy Spirit. And um, I just want to ask that you would come tonight um, in, a, in a very real way, in a tangible way, and that you would help us. God, that you would uh, move us further up and, and further in, and that, that uh, we would be more perfected in your Son. I bless you for that and thank you for it in Jesus' name. My, my, my. <laughs> that is so rich. I think we could probably go a few hours on this portion of Scripture, but I love you, so I'm going to pull a couple of thoughts out and, um, and, and share on those tonight, and then we'll let the young guys execute the book uh, through the next few weeks. The, of course, the two little phrases I would pull would be Christ in you and the hope of glory. Uh, I will also point out, though, that in those last couple of verses, Paul sees this as a key to maturing in Christ. 
understanding this mystery of Christ in you, which is our hope of glory, is, is a key. He says, I, I'm doing this so I can present you fully mature in Christ. I'm, I'm teaching you this stuff because I have a stewardship so that I can break bread, you will eat it, and you will mature, and, and you will become like Christ. So, um, why do I say Christ the missing ingredient? What, what am I getting at? Well, I think, it's my opinion, uh, that there are a lot of Christians who really don't understand what it means for Christ to be in you. Uh, they can think about in Christ a little bit, uh, but I don't think a lot of Christians really understand Christ in you. If you ask anybody, does Jesus live in your heart, they would say yes. But the one in whom the fullness of the Godhead dwelt bodily, <laughs> in him is all the fullness that he lives inside of us. I, I'm not sure we give that the priority that it deserves. Does that make sense? And so I, I want to make my argument that even if it isn't more significant than some other doctrines, it's as significant, and it gets left out. And here, here's how I want to make that argument. I'm going to read the introduction to the book of Colossians from the ESV Bible. Now, what am I looking for? I'm looking to see if it understands or if it, or if it includes this understanding that it's Christ in you that brings the hope of glory. So let me read it. Listen and see what you think, all right? Paul wrote to the church in Colossae to fortify it against false teachers who might try to impose strict rules about eating and drinking and religious festivals. Paul shows the superiority of Christ, praise the Lord, over all human philosophies and traditions. Amen, he sure does that. He writes of Christ's deity. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. And to the reconciliation he accomplished with his blood. All beautiful doctrines, truths, realities. He explains that the right way of living in this world is to focus on heavenly rather than earthly things. Yes, chapter 3. God's chosen people must leave their sinful lives behind and live in a godly way, looking to Christ as the head of the church. Paul wrote while in prison, probably about the same time as he wrote to the Ephesians. Great stuff, powerful stuff. Every one of those truths need to be part of what we understand so that we can put faith in the work that God has done. However, it doesn't mention Christ being in you. This is the ESV Bible. Dozens of scholars got together, and they don't include, and Paul says that God lives in you, and that is the means, that is the effective measure of God. All right, so I knew Dan was going to be here tonight, so um, I, I also went and uh, got the introduction in the NIV Bible. Paul was in a Roman prison when he wrote to the church in Colossae. False teachers were coaching the Colossians to worship angels and follow special rules and ceremonies. Paul corrected this thinking through his letter 
stressing that faith in Christ is sufficient for salvation and that nothing needs to be added to Christ's sacrifice on the cross. Very concise, very exact, and very true. All of this is so powerful, but it doesn't include this idea of Christ lives in you. And I think that needs to be part of our daily understanding and cultivation of our relationship with God. Can I get an amen? We're back in the big room, and sound gets lost in these curtains. So make a lot of noise so that, so that I know that you're awake. Do we have any of you... Do we have any of you ladies that still bake bread? Do we have any, any of our, our bakers in here? Oh, yes, uh, the beautiful lady uh, in the black T-shirt over here. How many of you ever had Dr. Reitz's bread? Yeah, it's good stuff. Susan, are you still baking much? Or, or did Tasha take over the... Yeah, Tasha shows up with it, yeah. So, so bread, everybody knows that I think most people, a lot of people, well, people who bake know that um, if you take flour, just regular flour, and put your water and your salt together and uh, put it in the oven and bake it, what you're going to come out with is something that's called hardtack. If you've ever watched a Civil War movie where uh, one of the guys, is, they've been out on the, the um, oh, on some mission and and they're starving, you know, and they reach in and they pull out, it looks like a cracker about this big, and they break it, and, you know, they crunch it. That's hardtack. It's bread that didn't rise. What was left out, Ken? Yeast or some kind of leaven. And so if that one ingredient is not in the bread, it's not in the dough, and you cook it, some kind of leaven, it doesn't rise. It doesn't become... Uh, a loaf of bread. It remains hard tack. Now, uh, you could take that illustration and do a lot with it. I really like it. Basically, what goes on is when you, when you put that yeast in, evidently the yeast begins to eat the sugar. And as it eats the sugar, it produces carbon dioxide. And that carbon dioxide begins to rise. So that sugar or that yeast creates a process that causes that bread to begin to do what it needs to do to rise and to become what it's supposed to be, right? And evidently the gluten in there hangs on to the garbon, so it just takes the bread up with it, and you get this beautiful loaf. Why? Because you put that next ingredient in there. Has anybody, has anybody ever tried to bake and you got the wrong kind of flour? And you ended up with flatbread? Anybody besides me? Yeah, okay. Um, and so, I believe that the missing ingredient in the understanding of a lot of people about what this thing is that we're a part of, this mystery that God revealed to Paul is that I am going to come live inside. I'm not going to come visit. I'm not going to attend you like some people attend church. I'm going to come live inside of you. And that is your hope that you will live a glorious life. So that's what I want to talk about today. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so let me talk about hope very quickly. I mean, you, you all know me, and you know I love to talk about the glory of God, but, but we'll make it quick tonight. Um, 
When the Bible says that we have fallen short of the glory of God, it can be applied on, on a lot of different levels. It can, talk, it can be talking about going to heaven. Uh, it can talk about um, uh, sort of the manifestation of the Shekinah glory of God. But I think most of all, when Paul is talking about it, it's either spending eternity with God or it's manifesting God in such a way that he's magnified in the earth. So when we sin, glory of God. If it does it again, I'll just switch mics. If, if we sin, we fall short of the glory of God. In other words, there's a way we're supposed to live. It's perfect love. When we don't walk in perfect love, God is not glorified. His way is not seen. We've all been selfish. We've all chosen to live in such a way that it doesn't honor our Father, but it, it, it feeds our own greed and hurts other people. That's falling short of the glory of God. We've all missed what we could have been and we don't live lives that are full of glory. I know one of the reasons that I, I uh, decided to work at Lowe's is I wanted to go and I wanted to work in such a way that God was glorified. I was so excited uh, a couple of weeks ago when Cindy Season, due to my influence, got hired at Lowe's. And I was talking to her a couple of nights ago, and she had come in, and she had baked cookies, and she'd given it to all the guys over in, uh, over in um, the, the wood department and uh, the pro desk because they're always helping her. And I thought, all right, yeah, Cindy, come on. Let's glorify our Father while we're here. Let's bless the people around us. But we've all fallen short. But... It's, it's interesting. God promises, yes, you have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But Romans 5, 2, it says this. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And I think that's the glory of God on several levels. But one of it. Because of what happens in chapter 6 and 7 of Romans, I believe the hope that we have is that we can live lives that people can see us and they will say, man, there must be a God. That is so healthy. The Bible says they'll see our love and they'll believe that Jesus was God. We've all sinned and we've lived in ways that don't reflect God, but God's promise through what he has done, is not that he's going to forgive us and let us go to heaven, just that, but it's also that we can live lives that honor God. Hallelujah. How many of you would like to, for people to say, man, there is a God. Look at that guy. Look at that gal. Look at that kid. Speaking of kids, we at breakfast today, my, my good friend Ernie Sacred came and taught men, the men's, at the men's breakfast. And at the end, uh, Matt got up and he said, how many of y'all would like to respond? And it was basically a call to responsibility. It was a call to saying, you know, I am given to this thing that God's doing. And, and uh, he, you know, he just kept asking. And then all of a sudden, a hand went up. 
And it was Tucker, my grandson, my six-year-old grandson. And he knew what he was doing. There was conviction in his voice, and he had clarity. And uh, I was just, I was just so, I was so thrilled that my grandson wants to give himself to you people to serve you and to build your life. And all through the morning, it was just over and over. He, I, I, I got there early, and I guess uh, Kenton's wife, who is my daughter, uh, I forget my kids' names sometimes, so I just refer to them by their spouses. Uh, uh, Susanna, that's it. No, <laughs> Susanna cooked. And so the food got there a little bit late, and Tucker was with me. And so I lined some guys up, but I went with Tucker, and we got this cart. And so when it got there, we put all the food on the cart, and Tucker brought the food in, man. And he was like, you know, I'm bringing the food in. And, uh, and uh, so I'm like, yes, my grandson. And then at the end, uh, Matt was going to give Ernie a check, but Ernie got away. Uh, and, uh, and so he, he gave it to Tucker and said, run, catch um, uh, Mr. Sacred and give this to him. And he started walking and looked and saw that he was going out the door. And he took off. And uh, I saw him get to the door, open it, and yell at, at Ernie and say, Mr. Sacra, and give him that check. And I thought, man, hallelujah. My son respond, or grandson responded to the message. He brought the food in, and he paid the preacher. Hallelujah. <laughs> Matt was a little bit proud of his son as well listen god is being glorified through your life this is not a new message and 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 i don't think that there's many people in here that i feel like aren't participating in this whole thing of living our lives like god's called us to but that was just such a great example of, of how uh, a, a son can can honor a father and the Bible says, yeah, you messed up, but you have a hope. And what's the hope? That God is going to use you to glorify himself. All right. So let's go ahead and let's go on to the other phrase, Christ in you. Christ in you. This is different than an external faith. I believe in God. My heart has been touched by God. I want to follow God. God lives inside of me. That's very, very different. That doesn't make the others untrue. But it's so powerful that God found a way to come back and live inside of us. That's what the blood is all about. The Gospels record Jesus saying, The Holy Spirit is with you. But it is going to be inside of you. And so Paul, when he, was, when he was captured by God, he went off and he sought God. And he got this revelation in this portion of Scripture. It says it's a mystery that's been hidden from ages. God had always been planning to do what was necessary, the sacrifice of his son, so you by faith could be purged and God could once again live inside of you. And Jesus said, you know, I have to go. And he knew the trip had to stop on the cross along the way. But when I do, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit 
And it's going to live inside of you. Everybody say, the Holy Spirit lives in me. So this is not a, this is not just, a lot of times you'll read a verse and you're like, oh, that's interesting. But this is consistent throughout Paul's writing. Over in Galatians 2.20, we call it the power, you know, we call it the the, the power verse. It's like 220 volts. Uh, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth forever. Say it again, Kathy. In me. And the life which I now live in this body, I live by what? Isn't that interesting? It says the faith of the Son of God. It's not faith in the Son of God. It's the faith of the Son of God. Actually, that, that, that of is not even there. It's just the word faith and, and Son of God. And I, I think there's more to it. Uh, the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. You go home and think about that. There's several ways you can think about it, and I'm not going to come down on, on any place, but it's not in the Son of God, but it's the faith of God. And gave himself for me. I am living a life now that is basically faith of the Son of God. The risen Christ is the operative power in the new order as sin was in the old. In the old order, you can always tell when I've read from a commentary, in the old order, sin was the ruling uh, force. But now that you've been born again, born again, that means you're a new creature. Now that God lives in you, it, it, Christ is the operative power in your life. Sin no longer has dominion over you, and Christ lives inside of you. On down in Galatians 6.15, it makes it clearer. He says, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision avails anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. A new creature. You are a new creation. You are recreated in the spirit of Christ. It's not circumcision. It's not going to church. It's not keeping the law. It's not even acts of love toward other people. It's the fact that you are a new creature, a completely new person by the spirit of God living inside of you. 2 Corinthians is the one that we we know best, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is what? Exactly. He is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You are a new creature, a new creation. Ephesians 4.24. And that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. The new man is created in righteousness and true holiness. Baptism. Baptism is so much more than a representation of dying and coming back to life. It is a representation. It is an act of becoming one with Christ. You are now circumcised. 
you are now dead and buried, but you are alive in him, and he is alive in you. Romans chapter 6. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Now, if you go on and you read 7 and then get to chapter 8, it says, hey, those of us who are led of the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Paul gives the retort question, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me? And he gives the answer, I praise God through Jesus Christ my Lord. And later on, what does it say? It says we have the spirit of sonship inside of us that cries out, Abba, Father. And that cry is manifest yourself and show yourself through my life. And by the way, the rest of creation is crying out for that, Romans tells us. All right, so back to Colossians, uh, verse 28, chapter 1, verse 28. Whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Jesus Christ. Paul believes that it is this teaching that is going to cause you to be able to mature in Jesus Christ. That was his confidence. And I like, he goes on in the last half of it, he says, whereunto I also labor striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. See, he, he's saying, I live by what I preach. I've preached this by his spirit working in me mightily. And that's exactly how you do it. By his spirit working mightily in you. He understood that the only way to maturity was to cultivate that spirit inside. You probably thought of these verses while I was saying that. Uh, Philippians 1.11. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. To the glory and praise of God. See, when we're filled with these works of righteousness, and mostly it's works of love, which are the works of righteousness, it says it is to the glory and to the praise of God. It's not to get to heaven. It's not to be a better Christian than the next person. But we have a Father that we can glorify simply by allowing His Son to live big in us. Philippians 1.6 And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And then that famous verse, those famous two verses over in Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. When you were born again, 
the Spirit of Christ entered your life. And to this very day, it is working together with your will to will the purpose of God and to cause it to come to pass. Somebody say praise the Lord. Paul sees the Christian life as a life of growth, but that growth is a growing manifestation of the Spirit of God as we cultivate that through the Word, through prayer, through spending time with Him. Ephesians 3, 16 through 21. According to the riches of His glory, <clears throat> may He grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. See, Paul understands this truth, and he knows how to pray it into to these Ephesians. Keep this, this idea of Christ in you, of this growing, this, 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 you know, this release of carbon dioxide that causes you to rise into the image of Jesus. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all saints the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be once again filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who's able to do exceeding abundantly more than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. Say, the power is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. I love when King James throws some ever and evers in there. All right. Paul teaches these guys, but then he prays. He is in the Spirit. He's praying, God, let them see this one truth that, that your power is in them, that the Holy Spirit is that Spirit which Christ said would come and make its abode in them. Rise up, rise up, Spirit of God. Hallelujah. And then he goes on. And he says, listen, if you, and this is chapter 3, Bill, we were talking about it earlier. If you then have been raised with Christ, seek the things which are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth, for your, you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. We could keep going. It's an amazing book. But I wanted to bring that one thought to you. And I wanted you to, to contemplate, do I live as though God is far off? A am I striving to pray enough? Or do I fellowship in my heart as the temple of God? And do I have a sense that the Spirit of God... You know, we have Pentecostal roots. That means we believe that the Spirit of God lives in us. And that out of that, 
there's manifestations of encouragement and strengthening. And I think sometimes we get away from that, and we get into a more head knowledge, a more doctrinal or theological understanding, which we appreciate, and we're not going to leave behind. But we need the experiential presence of God flowing out of us. That's how we understand that the church is formed. The church is not formed by a program that causes everybody to do one thing. The church is formed as Christ in Thomas Goburn reaches out and he understands Michael's uh, life and begins to speak into it and give himself to it. And Daisy gets excited about what God's doing in Michael because of what Thomas shared into Michael's life. And then she goes over and she lays hands on Kat and prays for her. And Kat is like, whoo, I didn't know this was what this was all about. And then she starts jumping around and saying, well, sorry. The cat's not been around long enough for me to pick on. All right, let's, let's, let's get some uh, Susan. Susan, can, can you all imagine Susan jumping around? I, you know, we know it's the Holy Ghost when that happens, unless it's at the house when you all are dancing. But you know what I'm saying. You understand what I'm saying? We need that part of, of life to be stirred up and to allow the Spirit of God, Christ himself, to love himself in one another here. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I ask if we could worship tonight with this thought in mind. So I, I want you to just, I just want you to rest in the fact that, that Christ lives inside of you. And uh, let's let that, you know, the Bible says, the Bible says that the Spirit of God inside of us, sometimes we get to the end of, of what we can imagine or think in our head, and the Spirit itself just kind of groans through us back to God, and that's the perfect prayer. Isn't that amazing? We can totally bypass our mind and give ourselves over to the groaning of the Spirit. And, you know, I, I don't think it's like, oh, oh kind of stuff, but I, I, maybe sometimes if it's something difficult going on, uh, and, and I don't want to get weird about it, but um, let's just give ourselves over to the Spirit of God and uh, let's just worship God from your heart. I'm not asking you to speak in tongues or groan or anything i'm just saying the bible says that and uh, so let's let's just kind of let's just kind of rest in the spirit <laughs> no i didn't mean that i really didn't um so let's let's just let's just kind of rest in the spirit worship worship god and let's just be together um celebrating that christ lives inside of us how many of y'all would like to do that all right okay we're gonna do it let's uh let's go ahead have y'all got a y'all got a song all right, great. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do everybody a favor, and I'm going to turn my mic off and not help lead. <laughs>